the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Let Us Reason, a Christian-Muslim dialogue with host Al Fadi. Let Us Reason is a unique show utilizing theology, apologetics, and evangelism to reach Muslims for Christ by comparing and contrasting Christian and Muslim doctrines. And now, your host, Al Fadi. Well, good morning, everyone. Um... Welcome to Let Us Reason on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. I'm your host, Al Fadi, and uh, we welcome you to another wonderful uh, series with our dear brother, Sam Shimon. And hopefully uh, you've been enjoying listening to the previous episodes we've done thus far in talking about the Quran and the issues with the uh, theology of Islam related to what is the Quran exactly. And then we talked about also the problem with the claim that the spirit mentioned in the Quran is actually the angel Gabriel, uh, at least in the last couple of uh, shows. And today we are going to take a different uh, approach also related to Jesus from an Islamic theology to show at the end of the day, whether it takes uh, one episode, two, three, four, four, as long as it takes, that the Quran at the end of the day, despite what Muslims believe, what they think, as I used to myself as a former Muslim, that Jesus is just a human being, a prophet, the Quran, believe it or not, affirms and ascribes divine attributes to Christ himself. And uh, that will be that is the topic, basically, of our uh, new series with our dear brother, Sam Shimon. Sam, welcome aboard, brother. Thank you for having me. It's a, uh, a privilege and a pleasure to be on, to be used of the Lord Jesus, to glorify his name, and to bless the people of God. So Amen. may the Lord Jesus be glorified. So, Brother, why don't you go ahead and give our audience a, a little background about the Jesus in Islam, or in the Quran, at least. Yes. Yeah, and again, I just invoke the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, He sanctifies us to speak truth without error, to cover us under the precious, precious blood of Jesus, and anoint my mouth to speak clearly for His glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, it's very important that we discuss what the Quran teaches about Jesus Christ. Now, can we, can, we can't go in-depth. So I encourage people to go to the website, the YouTube, and look look for my name, and <clears throat> type in Quranic Christology to go more in-depth on this issue. But basically, <clears throat> the Quran affirms, I'm going to talk about the similarities between what the Quran teaches in common with Christian belief. The Quran affirms the virginal conception and birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. It affirms that Jesus was conceived and born from his mother Mary while she was a virgin. <clears throat> so... Jesus does not have a biological father. He was conceived by the power of Allah through his spirit to a virgin maiden. Interestingly, the mother of Christ is the only woman mentioned by name in the entire Quran. Now, you know this, but for your audience, they may not be aware that women, even prominent biblical women, are not mentioned by name. For example, Abraham's wife, Sarah, is not mentioned by name. Adam's wife, Eve, is not mentioned by name. They're alluded to by their relationship to their husband or to their parents. For example, let's say the wife of Abraham, 
the wife of Adam, etc. Mary is the only woman mentioned by name in the entire Quran, and the Quran even has an entire chapter devoted to her in honor of her. Chapter 19 of the Quran is known as Surah Al-Maryam, the chapter of Mary. So this tells you the significance that the mother of our Lord has in the Quran and in Islamic theology. Related to that point, related to that point, in chapter 3, verse 33 of the Quran, it says the following. Chapter 3, verse 33. Lo, Allah preferred, chose Adam and Noah and the family of Abraham and the family of Iman above all his creatures, above all beings. Now, the family of Imran, many people do not know, refers to Jesus. Because according to the Quran, Jesus is maternal grandfather. Well, he only has a grandfather on his mother's side. He has no biological father. Jesus' grandfather's name is Imran. So the father of Mary is Imran. And here in chapter 3, verse 33, we are told, the Imran family <clears throat> is preferred, chosen above all beings. So what this verse is envisioning is, Allah started with Adam. Chose Adam as the crown of his creation. From Adam's line, he chose Noah. From Noah's line, he chose the family of Abraham. And from that family, he chose the family of Imran, which happens to be the family of Jesus Christ. Now, in chapter 3, verses 35-36, again, just to show you what the Quran has to say about Jesus, our Lord, and Blessed Mother, 335-36, it says, The wife of Imran, meaning Mary's mother, prayed, asking Allah for a godly offspring. Now, she assumed that Allah was going to give her a son, but instead, Allah gave her a female, a daughter. Let me read 36 real quick, because I know time is passing us by, but by the grace of God, I'll try to pack in as much information by the grace of the Lord Jesus. No problem, brother. And Take your was, time. Take your time, <clears throat> brother. All right, brother. Chapter 3, verse 36. Chapter 3, verse 36, which, by the way, is, na- is, is named after the family of Jesus, the close family of Jesus. It's the chapter of the family of Iman, uh, you know, Surat al-Imran. And when she was delivered, she said, My Lord, lo, I am delivered of a female. Allah knew best of what she was delivered. The male is not as the female. And lo, I have named her Mary. And lo, I crave thy protection for her and for her offspring from Satan the outcast. So she gives birth to Mary, the mother of our Lord. And so Jesus' grandmother prayed to Allah, asking Allah to protect Mary and her son. So I guess <clears throat> Jesus' grandmother had a premonition that she was going to have a grandson. So she trusts Mary and her son to the protection of Allah from Satan. Now, why is this interesting? Now, why am I taking a few minutes longer than normal to discuss this particular passage? Because according to the authentic sayings attributed to Muhammad, <clears throat> sayings found in Bukhari and Muslim, and in all the major commentators, com- commentators, chapter 3, verse 36 was answered. Allah answered the grandmother of Jesus' request that he would protect her Mary and her son from Satan by not allowing Satan by not allowing Satan to touch them upon their birth. Here, let me read it to you. <clears throat> this is a tradition attributed to Muhammad in the Hadith. It says in Hadith it is stated, Every newborn is touched by Satan, every newborn, every child touched by Satan and begins life by crying, except for Mary and her son, as reported by the two sheikhs. Bukhari Muslim. Now, this comes from Tafsir al-Jalalain, the two Jalal. Right. So, did you catch it? According to Muhammad, every newborn, Muhammad himself, Muhammad included, is pricked, is touched by Satan upon his birth, except Mary and her son. He was not allowed, he was not able, he was not permitted to touch neither Mary nor her son. 
So that tells you the exalted status that the crown gives to Jesus and his mother, which then leads me to chapter 3, verse 42. Here's what chapter 3, verse 42 says about the Blessed Mother of our Lord. And when the angel said, O Mary, lo, Allah hath chosen thee, and made thee pure, purified thee, and hath preferred thee above all the women of creation. So here, not only is Jesus' family chosen above all creatures, his Blessed Mother is chosen above all women of all time. She's the greatest woman that Allah created. Now, in contrast to Muhammad's parents, according to the sound narration, Muhammad's parents were pagans. Muhammad was born to a pagan family. And his family died, his parents died on pagan belief, on the belief of the idolatry. So one hadith says, this is found in Muslim, Muhammad visited the grave of his mother and started weeping. And when the companions saw Muhammad weeping, they asked why he wept. Muhammad said that he asked his Lord to forgive her, but Allah refused. But he did give Muhammad permission to visit her grave. Now catch that. Muslims believe that Muhammad is the greatest man was ever created. Al-Insan al-Kamil, right? The perfect man. The Arabic phrase, Al-Insan al-Kamil, the perfect man. And they call him Sayyid al mursalin the master, the Lord of the sent ones, that he is the leader of all the messengers. And here, Muhammad's mother is burning in hell. And when he asked Allah to forgive her, and pardon her in order to save her, Allah said no. So Muhammad, who's supposed to be the greatest man, his mother's in hell, and yet Jesus, our Lord, who's supposed to be just a mere ordinary human being, his mother is the greatest of all women. She was created pure. If you go back and read the commenta- commentary on chapter 3, verse 42, all of them to a T say that, say that the way Allah made Mary pure is by creating her without sin. She was conceived born sinless, and she maintained her essential sinless purity throughout her entire earthly life. So it's not just Jesus who's sinless, according to the Quran, so is his blessed mother. And we can talk about the implication of that a little later, but I just want the audience to know, Muhammad's parents are in hell, because the same Sahih Muslim also says this, when a man came and asked Muhammad, because the man's father had died in idolatry, because remember, Muhammad's tribes were all pagans, we know this. According right. to the Muslim sources, they worshipped about 360 idols in the Kaaba. So the Kaaba was a shrine for idolatry. So this man comes to Muhammad and says, where's my father? And he says, he's in the fire of Jahannam. He's in the fire, he's in hell. He walked away pretty much disappointed, sad, and angry. So then Muhammad beckoned him. He said, come here. My father and your father are both, both in hell. Did you catch that? Yep. So uh... My father, Muhammad's father, and his mother are in hell. And, and let me just unpack this quickly for the people. Uh, this is very important, and even for my Muslim audience, to realize that even the Quran took the time to emphasize the purity of Christ, his special status, and the status of his mother. So that should pause a, uh, cause a Muslim to pause and ask and wonder, why then Muhammad is not? simply because this is another proof that this is a man-made book that borrowed from what was available theologically and didn't even think about what the ramifications of this. Precisely. Now, now, because time is fleeting, let me talk about the commonalities with Jesus. Both the Quran and the Bible, and therefore the Muslims must believe that not only was Jesus conceived and born from a virgin by the power of the Spirit of Allah, <clears throat> they believe that he is also essentially pure, sinless. He was conceived and born sinless and remained sinless throughout his entire earthly ministry. The Quran affirms that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, and the Messiah. And we'll get back to that a little later. 
And that's found several places in the Quran. The Quran also says that Jesus is the word of Allah. In three places of the Quran, <clears throat> Jesus is called a word from him, a word from Allah, and the very word of Allah, his word. And those references can be found in chapter 3 of the Quran, verse 39. Now, ironically, chapter 3, verse 39, is talking about John the Baptist, Yahya, being sent as a forerunner to Christ. Right. So the Quran agrees with the New Testament. The Quran agrees with the book, the, the, the Gospels and the Book of Acts. John the Baptist was sent as a forerunner to Jesus, because chapter 3, verse 39 of the Quran says that Yahya will confirm a word from Allah. Later in that same chapter, we're told who that word is. Chapter 3, verse 45, it says, When the angels announced to Mary, the glad tidings of Allah, of a word from him, whose name is Messiah Jesus. So here we're told that the word from Allah that John confirmed is the word from Allah that he sends to Jesus, who's the Messiah, Jesus, the son of Mary. So in those two places, Jesus is said to be a word from Allah. In chapter 4, verse 171, the fourth chapter of the Quran, Surah An-Nisa, 171, we are told that Jesus is the Apostle of Allah, Rasulullah, and we'll unpack that later. And his word, Kalimatuhu, his word, the word of Allah, which he cast down to Mary and a spirit from him. So here the Quran says, Jesus is Messiah, the word of Allah, and a spirit from Allah. The Quran further confirms that Jesus was a miracle worker. He would give sight to the blind, raise the dead, and <clears throat> fashion birds from clay. This is very important, and we'll deal with that in depth, Lord willing, in a future session. Fashion birds from clay, breathe into those birds, and they would come to life. So here we have Jesus doing the miracle of creating and giving life, creating life, fashioning clay birds, breathing into them, and they would become, you know, living birds. They'd come to life. Right. So he raised the dead, he sight to the blind, <clears throat> you know, gave, gave birth, life, I should say, to inanimate objects, and the Quran also says that he's able to tell people what they stored in their houses. Correct. What they were hiding in their homes. And we'll unpack that a little later. Because, you know, again, I want to make sure we get enough details in so that the audience are not familiar with what the Quran says about Jesus. We'll get an idea. Now, on top of that, the Quran says that Allah took Jesus. This is in chapter 3, verse 55. Chapter 3, verse 55. And chapter 4, verse 158. Allah took Jesus to himself. It doesn't say Allah took Jesus the second heaven, or to the seventh heaven. It says Allah took Jesus at the final <clears throat> moments of his earthly life. Allah took Jesus to be with Allah himself where Allah is. Gathered Jesus to himself, and according to Islamic tradition, Allah is above the seventh heaven, above his throne. So if Allah took Jesus to be with Allah, that means according to the Quran, Jesus is now exalted above the seven heavens, above the throne. And we'll revisit that a little later. And the Quran intimates not explicit, it intimates, and the Hadith makes explicit, the narration is attributed to Muhammad, Jesus will return physically, bodily to the earth, to rule the earth as a just judge and ruler, and when he returns, he will kill the Antichrist, just by his appearance. The Antichrist will be killed, and he will rule for 40 years upon the earth. Now these are some of the similarities. Let's talk about the differences real quickly. <clears throat> With that said, the Quran says that Allah is not the Messiah, but the Son of Mary. And again, I'll have to explain the mistake in that claim in a future session, if we don't have time this session. Right, and so I'll just, just quickly, right. if you don't mind, brother, quickly I'll tell people what you mean by that. And by the way, if you're joining us, uh, you're listening to Let Us Reason. Uh, I am your host, Al-Fadi, and with me here, my dear brother, uh, Sam Shamona. We're talking about what does the Quran insinuate about Jesus, and we're going to prove to you, Lord willing, uh, in this series that the Quran 
admits that Jesus is divine one way or another, and by the grace of God, we will show you that. But my brother mentioned here something about a mistake made in the Quran claiming that Allah is the Messiah, and there is a theological problem here, of course, and, and just in general, that's not what we believe in. I'll leave it to my brother to later discuss yes. it. And, and, the, and the references for that is in chapter 5, Surah Al-Ma'idah, which is also named after an event, a supposed event that took place in the life of Jesus. Chapter 5, verse 17, and then chapter 5, verse 72, that Allah is the Messiah, the Son of Mary. So Muslims take that to be a denial that Jesus is divine. The Quran also says that Jesus is not the Son of Allah. In chapter 9, verse 30, there's an explicit curse. <clears throat> Allah will fight and curse and even have Jews and Christians humiliated, subjugated at the hands of Muslims for believing that Allah is the Son. Now, why the Jews? Because in chapter 9, verse 30, they're accused of believing that Ezra, which in Arabic he's called Uzair, Uzair, Ezra is the son of Allah, and the Christians, Nasara, believe that the Messiah, Jesus, son of Allah, and because of that, Allah curses them and wants to fight them and wants the Muslims to subjugate them until they pay the jizya. So a denial that the Messiah is the divine son of God, and chapter 4, verse 157, seems to imply, and I have to be careful here, because you can make a strong case, and Lord willing, we will in a future episode, does the Quran explicitly deny the crucifixion of Jesus? Well, in chapter 4, verse 157, it does say that the Jews boasted that we killed. This is what the verse says, 4157. The Jews boasted, we killed Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of Mary, the Apostle of Allah. Now, the response is, they neither killed him nor crucified him, but it still appeared unto them. It appeared unto the Jews as if they did kill him, whereas they did not kill him, nor did they crucify him. Now, traditionally, that passage has been interpreted to be a denial that Jesus was killed via crucifixion. The most popular opinion today is that Judas was made to look like Jesus, and he died in the place of Jesus, where Jesus escaped into heaven. Now, one of the oldest interpretations, as reported by Ibn Kathir in his commentary, an interpretation that is attributed to Ibn Abbas. Those of you who know Islam know who Ibn Abbas is. Ibn Abbas was the first cousin of Muhammad, considered one of the greatest Muslim scholars that ever lived. This interpretation, this tradition that comes from him says that on the day or the night of his betrayal, Jesus asked his disciples which one of them would volunteer to look like him by Allah's power and die in his place, and whoever did so would be guaranteed paradise. So the tradition says the youngest disciple volunteered. Allah made that young, youngest disciple look exactly like Jesus physically from head to toe. And when they came in, they arrested the disciple thinking he was Jesus, because during that time, Jesus escaped through a hole in the roof with Jibreel and entered into paradise. So according to the oldest interpretation, <clears throat> as attributed to the Nabas, found in Indicus here, someone was made to look like Jesus, and that someone was a disciple of Jesus. So instead of Jesus dying in our place, a disciple died in the place of Jesus to save Jesus from dying on the cross. Now that is the interpretation that the city of Ibn is quite old, but that doesn't mean that's what the Quran teaches. Correct. And even though Islam teaches that Jesus will return, he doesn't return as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He returns supposedly as a Muslim prophet who will rule by Islamic law, Sharia, and then after 40 years he will die and be buried next to Muhammad, and at the last day, he and Muhammad will be raised side by side to face Allah in judgment. So that's what Islam teaches in a nutshell. And that's what I, what I like to quote you and say, wishful thinking, but that's okay. Yeah, exactly. So this is what they believe in a nutshell. 
But depending on the time, we can unpack some of the divine implications. Looks like we have about five minutes, brother, so maybe we can uh, begin unpacking, if you like, uh, in our next yes. show. Yes, we can, we can do it. What, what we'll do is, the next show, what we'll do is we'll bring out some of the titles and attributes attributed to Jesus in the Quran, which the Quran nowhere defines nor explains, but presupposes, because, again, Muhammad is hearing Christians say certain things about Jesus, and he's adopting that as part of his theology, with the hopes of enticing them to consider his prophetic claims, not realizing that the things that he's adapting as part of the Quran are things that end up <clears throat> contradicting his message, falsifying his prophetic claims, and showing that contrary to his assertion, Jesus is more than human, he's fully divine, a pre-existent divine being, who becomes flesh. And we can look at the titles such as Messiah, Word of Allah, and a spirit from Him, and specifically that Jesus has the ability to create life. And why this shows He must be God, because the only one in the Quran who is said to be able to create life by breathing life into it is Allah. And even the very verb, kalak, create, is only used of Allah with the exception of two places in the Quran. This verb, kalak, right? Right. Because even one of the names of Allah is Al-Qalaq, right? right. <clears throat> this verb is used for Allah in every place that appears except in two places. And those two places, that verb is attributed to Jesus. So only Allah and Jesus in the Quran are said to be able to create, because the verb used to denote creation is only used of Allah and Jesus. And we can unpack that, Lord willing, in the next program, when we have a lot more time to go in-depth showing how the Quran presents a contradictory portrait of Jesus, a portrait that haunts Muslims to this day, and a portrait that God in sovereignty has actually used to lead many Muslims to the true Christ. There are testimonies of Muslims on the basis of these passages. We're really rattled and shaken and got them to see that Jesus is more than a human being. He must be the divine Son who became flesh. And because of that, the Lord brought them to the true faith, to the true gospel, and now they are Christians who worship the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's really what I wanted uh, you to close with, uh, in, uh, showing people why it is important sometimes for us to know what the other side believes in, and in this case, Islam and their sources, so that we don't get fascinated by it, sadly, like some do, but rather to use it to the glory of our Lord. Amen. I agree. May God be glorified through our media efforts, and again, anoint our speeches in our sessions to speak truth without error for the glory of Christ so that Christians will be strengthened and Muslims will get saved. We pray this in Jesus' name. So may he be glorified. Amen, brother. And, uh, you know, I still have about uh, uh, two minutes left, but uh, uh, one of the things hopefully we can talk about next week, and uh, once again for my audience, if you just listen into us, this is Let Us Reason, and with me here, our dear brother Sam Shamoun. And Sam and I are going through a new series now to show what does the Quran and the main Islamic source basically teach about Jesus and how we can show even from the pages of the Quran that our Lord Jesus Christ is divine. Brother, uh, before we close, uh, as always, I want you to remind the audience how they can get a hold of you, how they can uh, uh, read some of your material, watch some of your videos, and even, Lord willing, bless you as well. Yeah, well, I write for the website Answering Islam, and by the grace of God, I've become the chief writer since 1999. So if they go to answeringislam.net, we have tons of resources, not just my materials, and tons of authors that have contributed to the website, so they can look into all the various sections we have on the Quran and the Bible, and read articles written by different individuals. Because on the main page, they'll find the link saying individual authors. There, they'll find me and others, and they'll find my material. 
I also write for a blog called answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. Answeringislamblog.wordpress.com. And they'll find tons of my lectures and debates on YouTube, especially the shows I used to do with David Woods called Jesus or Muhammad. So you go to YouTube, put Sam Shimon, and if you want to find the shows, you put Sam Shimon, Jesus or Muhammad. And also we'll be posting uh, more sessions on my YouTube page in the upcoming uh, upcoming week, Board Willing, because I also teach on Taltalk. Taltalk uh, is something you can download. You can go there and listen to different talks, even debates and lectures. So I'm going to be doing talks on Taltalk and having them archived on my YouTube page, Lord willing, by Amen. grace and mercy. So Amen. look for a lot more stuff in the near future. Amen. So I want to encourage all of you, brothers and sisters, to take him up on uh, his wonderful offer. Uh, Sam played a major role in my own life, also apologetically and theologically speaking, in terms of training. So uh, uh, thank you so much for listening to us. This is Let Us Reason. I'm your host, Al-Fadi. And uh, we, as always, uh, will have this uh, show archived on our website, sirainternational.com, or you can go even to... Uh, soundcloud.com forward slash let dash us dash reason until we meet again have a blessed day Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.